Welcome to Talos Takes, the quick take podcast where our researchers break down this week's hot topic in cybersecurity for everyone from the C-suite to the front lines. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the latest uh, episode of Talos Takes. Today, I have another new guest on. Uh, for the first time, Chris Evans is joining me from the Talos Threat Intelligence team. Uh, thanks for coming on, Chris. Uh, would you mind just starting out by introducing yourself to the listeners and uh, telling us a little bit about what your role is? Hi, John. Glad to be here today. I uh, wear a fair number of hats um, on our team, but most relevant to today's topic is I'm responsible for managing the automated analysis of Talos's honeypot data, pipelining that data back to all of our intelligence repositories and pushing out protections to Cisco security products. Um, there's a second team and they do an amazing job that is responsible for deploying and maintaining our honeypot infrastructure and take the lead on a lot of our internal honeypot development. So yeah, as you just said, today we're going to be talking about honeypots. Um, and you know, just to kind of start things off, uh, can you kind of give me just the book report definition of what a honeypot is if you were to try to give like an elevator pitch to somebody about it? Yeah, um, probably going to start a fight here. Uh, because as with many things in the infosec world, um, no one ever really seems to agree on the particulars. Um, I tend towards generic definitions. So I'd go with a honeypot's a computer system, either real or emulated, designed to entice attackers and aid security teams and detecting those attackers. Honeypots don't generally have much legitimate activity on them. So any systems you see connecting to them or any activity you see occurring within that system is inherently suspicious. As an exaggerated example, just imagine a security team deploying a fake MySQL database to their network and giving it a host name like Prod Password Database. Um, that name should be enticing to most attackers within the network. Um, so they would probably attempt to contact to connect to it. But since there aren't any legitimate applications or users within the network that should be accessing that database, um, monitoring access logs for it should give the security team um, a reasonable indication that something just might be going on. Um, real world deployments are obviously going to be substantially more complicated and there's details to work out, but that's a general sketch of the idea. Um, there are related concepts here, like spam traps and honey tokens, uh, really broad and take the definition broad. Um, but I'll probably stick to things I'm better acquainted with, like our honeypots. So then in uh, practice for specifically for Talos, what does that mean for us? How are we using them on an everyday basis? So the situation I sketched out above is what, how you would expect a enterprise security team to be using honeypots or um, you know looking to monitor their own network. Our honeypots are deployed slightly differently because we're looking for um, uh, I think as a threat intelligence organization, we're looking for broader data. So we deploy our honeypots directly on the internet um, and let whoever wants to poke around at them. them. Um, we obviously don't advertise that they're honeypots. Um, and so the most obvious use for them for us is we get a 
they supply a feed of malware samples and IP addresses of malicious actors for Talos to take action on. Um, we've done a lot of work pipelining all that data. So there's about a 15 minute gap between our honeypots detecting something key to our block lists. We also feed any files we collect to a variety of systems that filter down to Cisco security products. Um, we, so that's the most obvious use. Um, a large number of honeypots uh, deployed across the world, monitoring various services, various protocols. So that gives us the ability to start looking to see if we can detect differences in port scanning patterns between countries or changes in port patterns, which can help give our intelligence teams a little bit of a lead on changing on when actors are interested in a new service or a new exploit, um, which allows us to narrow our focus and see if we can see if we can catch um, attackers earlier than um, well, earlier than we would otherwise. <clears throat> um, for some services, we can identify the specific structure of exploits that we're seeing in our honeypots. And we use that to feed back our, the team that manages, that writes all of our snort detection um, to ensure that our published signatures are firing on the real world exploits we're seeing. Um, and along the same lines, we use them to ensure that we have snort and clam coverage available for attacks we're seeing in the wild. Um, sometimes there's a disconnect between what we think attackers are going to leverage for attacks as is, as is what we, the security community, think attackers are going to leverage for attacks and what exploits and vulnerabilities they really decide to focus on. And our honeypots help fill that gap between what we think they're doing, what, what we think adversaries are up to and what they're actually doing. <clears throat> on a bit of an edgier case, we, how our honeypots are deployed, any attacks we're seeing are indicative of an actor that's targeting fairly indiscriminately um, anything they can find. So on occasion, we've been able to use our honeypot data to um, help us further decide whether an attack that, a, that we're seeing elsewhere is indicative of a targeted campaign, um, either towards specific industries or specific customers um, or not. It's usually not a definitive conclusion we can draw from there, but it does help. It does help us provide context to other threats we see. And one of the things I'm curious about is how actors react if they find out that they've been stuck in one of these honeypots. Uh, are there certain scenarios where adversaries can uh, kind of adapt their malware or you know whatever it is exactly they're deploying um, after they've been stuck? Definitely. Um, this is one of the big hurdles we have with developing honeypots. Um, generally speaking, for a wide variety of reasons, you don't want your honeypots to be an actual full-fledged system um, because then attackers might be able to use that for example, to pivot off to use that platform to attack other things after they compromise it. Um, 
And so usually you're trying to emulate whatever service or system or protocol you're monitoring. Um, and, but emulation, uh, emulation, which starts this fight between attackers and developers where attackers find ways of fingerprinting that they're in a honeypot um, because commands don't quite work the way they should. Because as a developer, you cut a corner or you didn't realize some weird edge case of how Bash, for example, works. Um, and so Honeypot developers are constantly trying to find out how they're being fingerprinted and then updates or update their honeypots to look more realistic. Um, in my opinion, the cards are the cards in the spider pretty much stacked against the Honeypot developers. Um, so we don't, in Talos, we usually don't try to play that game for too long. Um, there's a decreasing benefit for rapidly increasing costs as you try to keep that game going. Um, and there's always attackers that pose substantial threats that are not going to take the time to fingerprint Honeypots. Um, so we still get a lot of we still get a lot of utility out of it, but there are definitely attackers that can pay attention. And if occasionally in our honeypot data, we'll see people that have realized that they're they're in a honeypot and will drop like offensive file names to us um, or make comments like acknowledging that like, oh hey, I think you're an IoT researcher because I ended up in your IoT honeypot. Um, but yeah, that's, that's certainly a problem we've run into. All right. Well, thank you very much, Chris, for joining me today. I uh, appreciate your time, and hopefully we can have you on uh, in the future to talk about something else. All right. Sounds good. Hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening to this episode of Talos Takes. Please join us in the next episode where we talk about something else that's top of mind for us.